Welcome to the That Don't Fit podcast, a podcast where we're dedicated to talking about life and life's real issues that cross racial and generational lines. My name is Jared Torrance, and I'm here with my co-host, Andy Farmer. We're friends, we're pastors, we're wanting to help people talk and process life in a crazy world. Welcome to the conversation. Welcome back to That Don't Fit. We are here. Uh, We've been talking about history. Mm-hmm. Um, in this larger conversation about race conversations, last week it was it was, a, it was interesting. We we kind of started out looking in the Bible, and we were so most of the time in, in the scriptures. But we sort of sort of sort of left turn toward the end and started talking about the church and, mm-hmm. and particularly the black church. And we kind of felt like we got done with that when we we're like, okay, we got more to talk about. Yes, yeah. And so we decided let's pull this together. And so this is going to be uh, a conversation about the black church, and we're talking about the black church, not. Sort of like I like here's the traditions of the black church, uh, which I'm not sure either ones can speak to mm. uh, well, but just the history and, and the black church in the history of our country, yes, yeah. and how it affects our understanding of, of race in our country. And uh, so, what we decided to do uh, was we're going to throw three things out. Um, I'm going to throw three things out about why the uh, the, the black church matters to the white evangelical. Mm-hmm. And JT's going to throw about 30 things out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to throw out 30, pretend there's, there are only three. That's right, yeah. We're, you know, he's got a bunch there. And so, so, uh, so we're just going to try to do this. The goal here is just to, um, to appreciate uh, the institution, the yeah. history, and what the black church has meant to our country. Mm-hmm. And so, man, since, uh, since I've been talking, I'm going to give it to you yeah. to start off. Yep. And just to clarify, uh, Andy's doing three things for the white evangelical. I'm going to try and do three and or 30 things uh, mm-hmm. to uh, the black. Some, some black people don't even like the term evangelical anymore. Um, so the black Christian yeah. that um, would fall under evangelical proper, that yeah. kind of definition, what that would be. Historically. Historical, yeah. <clears throat> I think what we have to do first is we have to talk about like what the black church is. And uh, as I was doing research for this, it's funny, just like there's not really like a concrete definition of it because if we almost had to switch it to like the African-American church, because yeah, yeah. technically, I mean, even if you look at biblical times, like there were black and brown people way, way, way back, yeah. Yeah. Um, way, 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 way back. And uh, the earliest documents of the black church in America Nobody has because there were these clandestine meetings of slaves who would hold these services in secret outside of the oversight of their masters. Yeah. And uh, which is it's, it's just insane to me that already you've got the power of, of the gospel going through, like coming from the oppressor's mouth coming from yeah. slaveholders and this, the gospel is still piercing through, even though like there's so much muck and misuse of God's word yeah. in what the slave masters would, would, would teach to the slaves. They're still like, Ooh, there's, there's, there's power here somewhere. Yeah. And so they would kind of steal off on their own and, and hold these services, but those aren't really documented, you yeah, know, because yeah. they're clandestine secret services. And it's interesting, you know, when you just came to mind is that whole idea of slaves, coming to Christ right here in the gospel it really messed up mm-hmm. a lot of things because mm-hmm. the whole concept was you can't enslave another believer right, right? that right. was kind of in the law you and so 
they thought, well, we're going to enslave Africans because they're not mm-hmm. believers and mm-hmm. they're pagans, and heathens. And so when they start responding to the gospel, now they got a big problem. Right. Now they got brothers and sisters yeah. under slavery. Mm-hmm. And so what they did was they changed the, the laws and they actually, that's where you see race-based slavery start to happen. Mm. We can't define our slaves based on they're pagans, they're heathens, and we're Christians. Mm. We're going to do it based on race. Mm. And so the idea of race-based slavery, in a sense, is a reaction to the fact that gospel is going out to the African-American. They're responding. And so from the get-go, yeah. oppression is part of their experience. That's insane. Yeah. And so uh, I think uh, Tabidi Anwabile talks about the there's two parents uh, to the church, to the black church in America. He says those uh, clandestine services outside of the eye of slaveholders and then also the, the AME church, yeah. which I think we'll talk about in just a little bit. Yeah, um, which is mostly the, the free black population in the north. Yes, exactly. In, yeah. In, in Charleston, too, there's one, but there's an interesting one. There. Yes. No, I could. No, I yeah. love it. <laughs> <laughs> and um, it, it's just it's just insane because the the historic black church uh, is an institution that was birthed out of oppression. It was birthed yeah. out of suffering. Like, it's not like things were going well. Let's tag on some Christianity to it. Yeah. It's like, yeah. we have nothing. Like, we are desperate. We are, like, being so painfully aware that we are sojourners that do not belong here. Like there's, there's that uh, elevated kingdom mentality yeah. that I think the historic black church has. Like we are citizens set for a kingdom that is not of this world. Yeah. Because if, if you feel like it's really hard being birthed out of the way that the black church was birthed, for us to think that this place is my home, mm-hmm. this is where I'm going to put all my hope, this is where I'm going to stick my stakes in the ground and I'm going to fight for an easy, not even just an easy life, but just for, for peace and happiness here. Not that they're not fighting for justice, but that it's going to be, because I'm a Christian, things are going to be easy. That, like that does not compute yeah. in the black church because it was birthed out of oppression. It was birthed out of suffering. Yeah. You know, the AME church with Richard Allen and, and Absalom was, Absalom, you, Jones, Absalom yeah. Jones, that's so, right. Yeah. Um, you know, they were, they were at a church. They were sitting what previously was the black section praying, correct? And, yeah, well, what happened was they, it was uh, St. George Methodist down in Philly. There we go. And they, uh, by the way, Andy is like a super sharp history buff. So I'm going to give like these, <laughs> these overviews and the details are going to come from Andy yeah, well, because you, you, that's you what you he does. You just feed the geek in yeah. there. So, uh, <laughs> so no, so there, what happened was they were, they were allowed into the church. So it was a multiracial church. Mm-hmm. Um, but they were given like 5 a.m. for their, for their services. <sighs> right. And so uh, Absalom Jones and, and, and Richard Allen would just preach at those services, and, the, and, the, and they started growing. Yeah. And, uh, you know, with the African-American population coming, uh, responding to George Whitfield preaching. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so they, they come, and then they realize, we've got we to gotta add more seats. And so they built right. a balcony in the church, and uh, the church is still there. Same church is still there. And uh, they, ha- they asked the African-Americans to build a balcony. Yeah, we'll help build out. They helped build the balcony. First Sunday, the balcony's done. They come in, sit where they usually sit, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And they're in the middle of prayers, and the deacons start coming up, and they go up to Absalom Jones, and they say, listen, you guys are going to have to go up to the balcony. That's, mm-hmm. why, that's why we built it. They didn't know that's why they built it. Right. And, uh, and so he's saying, you know, I'm not going to the balcony, mm-hmm. and uh, you got to go. And if, you can't, if you're not going to the balcony, you have to leave the building. And he said, I'm praying. 
And yeah. he, and he said, uh, said you, you got to go. And he said, well, I, we, we ain't leaving until we finish praying. Yeah. And uh, they got done praying, and then they all left, boom, and, at once. Mm. And planted a church. Planted so two churches. There we go. Church planting. Church planting. Yeah, out That's of oppression. Amazing. Out of oppression. Out of suffering. Oh, it's so good. So um, something I want to do is I, I want to, you know, a lot of, uh, there's a lot of articles and, and research out there actually about black millennials leaving the historic black church. Um, and it's, it's interesting. Something that happens, especially people in, you know, the evangelical traditions, there is a little bit of like a, a I want to describe it carefully, but when charitably, but also honestly, there's sort of this like, I don't know, you, you turn your nose up and kind of have this low level disdain for these caricatures that have been described of the black church, you know, um, people are, people will share, Eric Mason always talks about this. He's always saying how like, there's a reason I don't share quote unquote funny videos about the church where people are snatching wigs and doing all different kinds of things. He's like, because, because this is, this is a sacred institution, yeah. you know, that has a prophetic voice, that has a prophetic purpose, um, that is going to have an influence in the community, that is going to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, that is going to, um, be a place of, of solitude, a place of, of hope, a place of refuge for suffering Christians now. And he's like, I'm not going to disrespect the bride of Christ like that. Mm-hmm. And I, and I think there's, um, there, I think there's a lot of that when, you know, if someone grew up in the black church and then they're kind of leaving and they're now more like reformed white spaces, things like that, there's kind of a, a disdain for what, you know, where you, where you came from. And even if you personally didn't grow up in the black church, there's, it's like either your, your, your mama, your daddy, your grandparents, somebody in your family was involved in the black church. Mm-hmm. And, uh, there's a, there's a reason, whether it's through the prayers of the, of, the, of, the, of the grandmothers or different kind of things, there's a reason why, or you, you yourself got saved in that church. Yeah. And uh, it's like, how am I going to disrespect something that God used to either keep the legacy of the faith of the gospel of Jesus Christ going from generation to generation, or something that he has used in such uh, a, a wonderful way to give... Uh, hope and to have people fight for justice in a certain way and to share the gospel of Jesus Christ for the black community, for, for all different kinds of communities as well. Cause uh, there's some distinctives that, that are always going to be there. Samuel, uh, pastor Samuel D Proctor, he talks about that black people never come together for worship without being mindful of their liberation. Mm. And so that's, that, I mean, that's not the all consuming purpose of the meeting, yeah. but we all know, you know, there is a liberation that we are experiencing right now. They're, he says they're always aware of the imperfect status that they enjoy in this country. And every time they come together, there is some type of consciousness of this. Mm. But as they gather, it's not like there's just loom and gloom. It actually bursts forth in an excited, jubilant, celebratory reality that it is not always going to be this way. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. like life in, in America is not the determiner for our eternity. Like our, our eternity actually looks really, really, really good. Like I'm gonna, I don't remember who said this, but you know, they're saying like for the Christian, this is the closest to hell we're ever going to get. Yeah. And uh, it, it only goes, goes up from here. Um, 
so yeah, I, I kind of went on for a little bit. Do you got any responses to anything I'm saying or anything you're wanting to press in on? No, you're you're addressing your brothers and sisters. I ain't gonna say that. <laughs> <laughs> All that to say, black people who are no longer in the historic black church, thank God for what he did. Yeah. That the gospel really is powerful enough yeah. to have to have sustained through the mouths of slaves who couldn't even like read at yeah. the time and to have all these just so happen sort of scenarios to where black people are reading God's word and preaching God's word and applying biblical theology yeah. <laughs> to their lives now. Like, like, uh, you know, it's not going to be so much a systematic theology because black people weren't allowed in the academy. Yeah. It's 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 literally just going to be straight up biblical theology. How this whole story threads together as one proclamation of Jesus Christ is all that we need. Yeah. And um, uh, Dr. Walter Strickland on a podcast talking about uh, I, the podcast for the Gospel Coalition, as in heaven, wonderful resource. I encourage everyone to listen to that uh, on the historical developments of the black church. He does a fantastic job. He's actually writing a book on it coming out either this year or next year. But he says um, the distinctives of, of the black church, of, of something that we all hit on, is, is big God and theodicy that falls under like the problem of evil, of evil and what God has to say about that. He has a lot to say about the problem of evil. And Jesus, in Jesus we find the ability to suffer because he's the one who suffered but rose. Conversion and being spirit-filled, uh, being a Bible-focused people. Mm -hmm. uh, and then liberation, the spiritual liberation, the eschatological, meaning like in the end we will be liberated. And also uh, there's an aspect of social liberation as well, because when the black church was birthed, we were not fully liberated, you know? Yeah, um, yeah there, there's a, there were just laws that were happening at that time that were very constricting. And yet in all of that, by the power of the Holy Spirit, the black church continued to thrive and continue mm -hmm. to have such an impact. Um, was was the four were the forerunners of the civil rights movement like yeah. so much yeah. change happened because sure. of the convictions of this orthodoxy of of understanding what the bible says and 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 theology proper to that you know the orthopraxy yeah. how do i live this out yeah. and if the world around me is not allowing me to live this out we need to do something to make to change to change that so yeah just quick thing, and we'll yes. move on from this, but Good. you know, kind of going something you said. Um, it's not that the black churches today there aren't issues in the black church, correct? Like yeah. there are in the white church. Mm -hmm. There, it isn't like the black church is held, you know, uniformly to the gospel, correct? Nor has the white church held white uniformly church. to the gospel, right? Right. Denominations right, right. go south. Mm -hmm. uh, lose lose sight of what lose really matters. Of, you know, exactly. So so. For those who say, listen, my experience was different than what you're describing, right, right. we get that. Mm -hmm. We get that. But we're Absolutely. not here today to dwell on that. Exactly. We're here to celebrate and talk about why this cultural reality mm -hmm. given by God to us as a country needs to be celebrated That's and good. needs to be enjoyed. That's a good distinction, so, too. That's really good. Yeah. That's really good. Um, so have we gotten, have we started with our, why do we... <laughs> Have I given one of my points yet? I'm, I'm not even sure. Because <laughs> even those those five points I I, I uh, quoted from Dr. Walter Strickland were not even. So here here's yeah. here's my things. What 
aught uh, black reform folk or black evangelicals or however you want to define yourself, what uh, characteristics of the black church ought yeah. we to keep? Um, a commitment to hope and a commitment to justice in suffering, mm. you know? And um, again, because that's what the, the church was birthed out. It was birthed out of suffering. It, yeah. was, it was birthed out of a hopeless situation. And uh, once we all gather, there is just that, there's that, uh, what, are, what is it? That, uh, that defiant hope of just like, no, 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 no. Even in this, I'm going to praise his name because our God is worthy. You know, there's that high kingdom mentality that, 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 that is there as well of the, of the, we're kingdom citizens. Um, so that, that will be one kind of, uh, next would be, I, I really appreciate the, there, there, there's this like, and I don't, it sounds, it almost sounds lame when I say it, but there's a community presence of the black church that I, I think people are, are lo- like, I think white churches can grow in this way. I think even black churches, they're getting, they're seeing less and less in this, but there, there, there used to be like this heavy community presence, like yeah. every, and not just like everybody knows the pastor, but like the, the familial aspect of the church, like a, a really high ecclesiology, uh, yeah. a really high like theology of what the church was like. Yeah. Nobody is skipping Sunday mornings. Yeah. Like no one's sleeping in, missing church. Yeah. You know, we're not, we're not trying to fit church around our schedules. You know, it's the whole, yeah. whole old adage of, of, you know, if church is three hours long, that was a, a quick service. Like yes. it's <laughs> like, it, it's what we do. Like, yeah. you know, uh, because back in the day we didn't have YMCAs, you know, we, we didn't yeah. have like, uh, what are those things called? Uh, not yacht clubs. I don't know. Clubs that people go to yeah. social clubs and things like that. Like the church, encompassed everything like it was where you got your spiritual food it was where you celebrated graduations it was yeah. it really was family you know people call uh always call the pastor pastor and and then the pastor's wife was the first lady like there's just yeah. this honor and respect of of the institution of the church like yeah. that is a good thing like a trust in leadership now listen all these things can be uh abused in, in certain ways like you know you trust leadership so well so much you do whatever they say but but just the idea of that I'm going to hold the people in this office of elder and deacon in, in, in respect. And I, and the people in my church really are my family. Um, that that's something that we need to hold on to. Like the church is special. Yeah. (laughs) Like the church is why Christ died. Like he died to save his church. He died to save his bride yeah it was uh i mean back in the day it was kind of the center of community it was one place yes and and i think we may even talk about this in a previous podcast which i'm sure we'll do you know revisit things but um the idea of the pastor being the guy Mm -hmm. lots because he's the guy who's got to take the hits yes for everybody he's really truly representative of the people Mm -hmm. under oppression and so so we got to respect him because he's, you know, if something's coming down, it's going to come down through him. It's right. going to come down on him first. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so they took, they take the most heat and, uh, and they have to represent the people in, yep. you know, oppressive situations. So you have this respect, mm-hmm. uh, for the, for the office because of exactly. the risk yes. of the office. Yep. Um, so, so that's a huge part of it. And then I just think the, the idea is that we, we have to carve out community 
in the midst of people who are building a community without us. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's all around people are, you know, and so we're, you know, like in Philly, uh, that's, you know, a, a, the AME is essentially that's what's going on. They're like, okay, we got to band together. Mm-hmm. Um, we got to carve out community and they start with, let's start with the church. Yeah. Let's start with God and work our <laughs> way out. And so all these other institutions, education, yeah. everything else start to flow out of mm-hmm. the, yes. uh, the, um, the, the, the church, church. Yes. being the center of the community. Yeah. And even, uh, I don't remember what article or, or book I was looking through, but they're just talking about all the different things that the church established in the community. Like, uh, I think it was from one of the interviews I was watching with, uh, uh, Pastor Samuel D. Proctor, where he was talking about just schools that the churches were starting yeah. Um, yeah. in their community because they realized the education levels that were available in the community were not up to the standards or good for the people yeah. in his church. And so there's this huge project that he undertook to get schools into the community and different things like that. And just the service, the service, the service. Like there was a, there was no surprise that the church was out there serving the community and a part of what was going on. Like that's just what the church did. And so um, I think that's two points. Uh, (laughs) Let let me see if I can wrap up this last one, which I would just, I would just, uh, I'm going to wrap it up like this. Like the, you ain't done. You just wrapping up your, this, this I'm wrapping up this. Yeah. I'm wrapping up this section. Yeah. Which would be the, the celebratory nature of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Like, and this is not emotionalism. This is, allowing it's the whole doxology or theology to doxology principle. Like yep. the, the truths that are in God's word yep. affect me and elicit praise, like happy praise from me, regardless of my circumstance. I'm not saying that I'm putting on a, a fake happy face, but the, the joy that is, that is available to the Christian is always there because regardless of your circumstances, regardless of what is going on in your life, um, the things in this book do not change. Like this book is true. There is truth in this book. And that's a happy thing because if you recognize the truths that are in this book of just like, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ, like that's going to change my day. Like that's going to cause me to shout, you know? And, um, and that's just something that what that is just, uh, a part of, many of the identities of, of black churches of just an, an open expressiveness, an open expressiveness of, of worship through a body language of, of worship through, uh, vocal responses. There's, there's a true understanding that the entire service is worship. You know, there's a reason why people are responding as the preacher is preaching Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because it's not just a, a spectacle that they're sitting around taking notes on and not to like, mesh that or anything but it is like this is an act of worship like god's word is being proclaimed and there there's a response that is there like it's it's yeah. i i'm responding in worship not worshiping that person but i'm worshiping the god yeah. who he's preaching mm-hmm. about and i think there's i i think that's something that we <laughs> we we need so much more of in uh in other spaces of just no the act of preaching god's word elicits response just as much as singing these songs elicits my voice to join the chorus of the people around me yeah. who are singing praises to our God. Yeah. Um, so that yeah. is, that Good is, man. those would be my advice. Yeah. This concludes part one of this two part episode on the black church. Tune in next week for part two.